What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. Welcome to Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Casper. This is Frank Pelican. This is the Quick Cage, um, where Frank watches Nick Cage movies, so you don't have to. What movie are you going to talk about tonight, Frank? Uh, so tonight we're definitely going to talk about a movie that you should be glad that I watched, so you don't have to. Um, 2012 Simon West Helm Stolen. Um, stars. Uh, Danny Houston, uh, Malin Ackerman, um, one of my favorite, I think, super underrated character actors that we've just talked about recently, but I can't remember why, uh, MC Ganey, mm-hmm. um, and a completely unrecognizable Josh Lucas. So I think that the fact that I don't recognize Josh Lucas is the craziest part about this movie, because I remember Josh Lucas kind of being like a... Not a big deal, but like, do you remember him being like sort of a like up and coming like it, like oh, this is like a guy that could be. Yes, I do, and I'm going to quickly tell you. Let me figure out when that was. That was around the time of like oh three to oh five. What was he in? Beautiful Mind, Sweet Home Beautiful, Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama was like that kind of rom-com type thing that like, right. you know, got him like noticed, I think, like in terms of, um, and then Stealth right, um, was yeah. like that action thing. Um, and then, but there's one movie I'm thinking of, like where he was supposed to become the It thing. And what was that? Where Wasn't there an uh Elroy adaptation that he was in? Hmm. I don't know. Is that later than I thought? Okay, continue, go on. But yes, he was supposed to be big at one time. Right, well, he's not. Maybe and... I'm confusing him with somebody else, and that's why he's not big. No, I don't <laughs> it is. It's all because of you. <laughs> um... <laughs> I remember him like being somebody that they talked about. It was definitely around American Psycho, um, mm-hmm. Secondhand Lions, Beautiful Mind, yeah. um, all that stuff that he was in that was kind of the way to water. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that was like indie darling type movies. Um, not Sweet Home Alabama wasn't an indie darling type movie, but the other ones, like where he was sort of like, oh, this guy, he's a hunk and he's going to be famous. And he just kind of fell off. Um, so, anyway, so he's in it. So the basic premise of the movie is that Cage, Lucas, Ganey, and Ackerman are this um, uh, group of bank robbers, kind of like the group in Heat, you know, like they're, or like a thief, kind of, like these super technically savvy um, bank robbers who never get caught and whatever. But they get caught. And when they're getting caught, Nicolas Cage, Josh Lucas gets injured. His leg gets shot. 
Um, Nicholas Cage like escapes with the ten million dollars they've stolen from this vault. Nicholas Cage ditches the money like you think that he's thrown it away in a fire. Um, so he only gets ten years in jail, and when he gets out of jail, he's trying to reconnect with his daughter. Um, to uh. I don't know, because, like, he's been out of her life for the 10 years because he's been in jail and blah, blah, blah. There's um, a cop that is the one that was, um, Danny Houston plays this cop, FBI agent, that was the one that was tracking um, Nick Cage's Will Montgomery character, this super thief. Um, He's the one that eventually catches him. He thinks that Nick Cage somehow, like, mysteriously stashed the money so they keep following him around. So the premise is that the Josh Lucas character who lost his leg wants revenge on Nick Cage and wants the $10 million, which he thinks is hidden somewhere. So he kidnaps Nick Cage's daughter, and then Nick Cage has to chase him all over the place to get his daughter back. So pretty, like, kind of a mishmash of a bunch of different, like, common tropes in these sort of movies. Um... Simon West is not, like, a great director, but he's also not, like, a hack 100%, so he's competent enough to, like, film a movie where it makes sense when you watch it to a point, and it's just not very interesting. Um, It's got that really weird, like, 2000s feel of... You used to complain about this as shit being blue. To me, it's, like, it's, it's Man on Fire's fault. Where it's like everything is just a little too much overexposed. So everything just kind of feels washed out. So that all has this this like gray, like I understand grime to it, sort of. Yeah. And and the the fascinating thing is you can still combine that with blue. Right. Well, I mean, Um, because that's what is Man on Fire kind of does that, right? Um, And then Domino combines combines it with green, though. Domino does. Right. So you know what I'm talking about, though. Like, just yep. it, it's this camera trick where it makes it look like artsy, sort of, but really it's just like some washed out nonsense, right? Um, so that's what this movie does, and it's just not really that interesting. Like Nick Cage trying to be a good dad, Nick Cage trying to be um good friend to everybody because, like, you know, it's sort of his fault that everything went bad and. Um, the male and Ackerman character is a bartender now, and she's super grateful to him because, like, he sacrificed himself so she didn't have to go to jail. And she's, um, I don't know, like, there's really not much to talk about. It's, it's got a couple of like decent set pieces. It feels like a hundred other movies that you've seen or you've seen trailers to. So, you know, like, it steals things from things like Phone Booth and Collateral and Heat. And I don't know. It's like a just a mashup of all of those movies together with like none of the best qualities. Um, Cage is fine in it. It's one of those. He's working with like a real director, so he's giving some effort, and he's not going completely like off the rails crazy. Um, so it's a very competent performance on his part. Um, but nothing that you're like, oh, this is like funny Nick Cage or crazy Nick Cage or he doesn't. In- like infuse enough of his like weirdness to make it interesting as a character. The one thing that I will say is, so do you know who Mark Isham is? Are you familiar with that name? No. 
Mark Isham is a musician that does a lot of film scores or has done a lot of film scores. Mm-hmm. And he's done some really good film scores before. Um, like he did uh, The Hitcher and he did um, shit. Uh, Point Break is him. Okay. Um, anyway, like pretty famous guy. So I'm going to read you my exact note about this movie because it's the only thing I wrote down about it because it really <laughs> was driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, starts with a weird Muzak version of Seven Nation Army mixed with Stupid Girl. So imagine being in like Acme, which for those that don't know was our local grocery store in like our predominant grocery store in like the 1980s and 90s around here. Right. And you know how Acme used to have like that, like almost like chip tune, like Muzak that it would play, mm-hmm. like songs. Sure. So it's like, meh, 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 meh. like that is kind of like what it's playing, and then boom, 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 boom. Like you know, like the stupid girl, like bridge or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. combine those two mm-hmm. things together, but played on like a Casio keyboard, and that's what the score to this movie is. And like that's the motif that Mark Isham like chooses. So anytime something's happening, it's like a variation on that arrangement. And I, like, the whole time I'm watching this movie, I could not stop, like, singing, like, those two songs and trying to combine them together. And that probably was the best part of the movie to me, I guess, was doing that. That's, 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 that's pretty, um, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Look, he, we, we talked about, um, shit, they all blend together, the titles, because they're all terrible. We talked about, um... That one with Cage and uh, um, the weepy-eyed guy, uh, Elijah Wood, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the one with their cops. Yeah, and you liked it overall. I did. The the, the trust. I thought it was mm-hmm. pretty well done. I thought the performances were great. I thought it was interesting in terms of its direction and some of the choices. Nothing like mind blowing or like life altering, but. You know, for 90 minutes or so of entertainment, like, it was good. It was, like, a good movie to watch. This, like, watch that movie and don't watch this movie. Because you have that option because they're both free. And so, no reason to watch this movie ever. And that's my review. Okay, I have a number of things here, and I don't know how many of them are actually about this movie. But, um... So, first, don't you think that washed-out look... Like, it, th- th- there has to be something um, about that washed out look that is less expensive because I see a lot of these lower budget um, action films, like, that I, like, maybe will, like, drunkenly turn on for, like, five minutes and then, like, turn off, um, have that washed out look. And um, so I think there's something to it that it actually, like, it's something you can mimic that looks like artsy and high class that actually isn't um and it's actually somehow does something that makes it cheaper in some way right so and i would like if we have any listeners who are like actually into like filming things mm-hmm. to correct me i i've always thought that with the advent of like digital digital photography and film like taking the place of actual film stock mm-hmm. I've always thought that directors feel like it infuses a semblance of the feeling of actual film grain. Mm-hmm. 
while mm-hmm. still only using digital photography. Like I just I, I I always feel like that's what it's going for. Because in the sixties and seventies, like especially like a lot of like the lower budget like color films, they would use um see through gels, like translucent gels that were different colors in front of the lights that were lighting the set to create different like shades and shadows to make scenes look different. And I think that that's the idea here is that like you're kind of like infusing it with a different um, like palette almost Mm -hmm. and washing it out, which makes it feel like it's older and it's like that heavier, like richer film stock or whatever. Right. Um, you know, because you watch something like like one of my favorite movies of the seventies, um, The Passenger, the uh, Antonioni movie. Right. That's washed out. Like, there's a lot of scenes in that movie that, even though there's like some really lush and like beautiful scenes, he films like I don't know, like forty percent of it takes place in a desert, and there's some shit that's washed out because of like the super saturation of the sun. You know, because they're dealing with natural light, and that like that's what happens. Right. And like scenes right. like that. So I think that that's what these people are trying to like maculate is this idea that this is a throwback movie or this movie is like an homage to because I really think that from Simon West's perspective it probably is kind of an homage to Thief and Heat you know mm-hmm. like I think that's really what is inspiring this movie it's just that dude you ain't that's not you you know like you're not making that movie so I don't know alright what's question two Question: There's not a question here. Um, oh. I think it's more of a statement. Is that I had a like little bit of like like almost like panic attack because when you mentioned Danny Houston, um, yeah, I thought that we had already talked about this movie, mm. and um, so I had to like I was sitting here doing like research like real quick like you know have, have we talked about this movie because I think it this whole movie felt like so many other movies you've described that Nick Cage has been in. Yeah, for some reason, Danny Houston is, even though I, there's roles I really like him in, like um, the proposition and stuff like that, he also feels like so many different actors that would be in a movie like this that, like, I've just, it all, like, got jumbled in my mind to where I was convinced that um, we had talked about this movie, but we haven't. So, um, right. Um, I always got to check and see if we have, especially when I'm talking about these, like, one word title movies that he's been in that involve basically the same theme of the man who went to jail because he wouldn't rat on his friends and now he's out for righteous vengeance or whatever because that's every fucking Nick Cage movie or it's like 40% of the movies he's been in right especially since like 2008 yeah um so third thing is that um I realize I have attributed um misattributed the success of or the potential of josh harnett for the potential of josh lucas Mm. well they were very closely related i think back in like the late right right so it's like i and then somehow i also uh, merged them possibly um in my mind um it's a hot man (laughs) so um so yeah, that's that that's where that confusion came from because it was Josh Hartnett that was in um uh the Black Dahlia movie. Um Oh yeah, right. That's right. Um and so yeah, so um Josh Lucas has a terrible filmography. 
Um, and maybe the, another reason I've also blended them together is because since basically 30 days of night, I guess, like, I don't know. And, and that's in 2007. I don't know anything that Hartnett has been in. I, I've never heard of any movie that he's been in. Hey, look, um, let, me, let me look that dude up again. Josh Hartnett. Um, Josh Lucas is completely unrecognizable in this movie, too. Just so you know. Right. And I guess that that was the whole thing was like... Well, it looks like time is caught up with Josh Lucas a little bit. He looks... I mean. Josh, well, yeah. No, but time and makeup and Cheetos. Um, right. Josh Hartnett in this picture from 2014 looks like the poor man's Ethan Hawke. Right. Right. I hope that no one famous ever listens to this podcast because I say some <laughs> unsavory things about people's appearances. Right. And I know great shakes. Um what year have you do you not know anything about Josh Hartman after? After 30 days of night. What about 40 days and 40 nights? Where does 30 days of night fall? 2007. He was in some pretty good stuff. Lucky number eleven. I love that movie. Yep, that's before Thirty Days of Night. I, I know. Uh, this is the exciting part of the podcast where you and I are reading through Wikipedia pages. Right. Uh, he's in a bunch of stuff that's in post production. So cool. Yeah, he's still working. Yeah, you don't know any of those things. Oh, Inherit the Viper. I know that one. What? Is that like a Nick Cage movie that's coming out or something? No, it oh. looks terrible. It's free. It's either free somewhere right now, or it's like two ninety nine on Prime. And I, because the title was so bad, I was like, "What the fuck is this movie?" Wikipedia doesn't even have like a description of what this movie is about. Yeah, you should um, you should go on to Prime. At some point and like read it. It's got Bruce Dern in it, who I thought was dead, so bonus. What? Bruce Dern's been in like tons of shit in the past few years that you've I thought but... he was dead. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Just because someone's been in stuff in the past couple of years doesn't mean they can't be dead. People die all the time. We would have done a shot for him. <clears throat> Man, we ain't doing no shots anymore. This shit I said, mean, what you you think he died during COVID? Yeah, I don't know. Plenty of things could happen during COVID I wouldn't have known about. <laughs> Okay. Uh oh, it's free on Prime. Oof. Josh Hartnett and Margarita Oliveira star as siblings ensnared in their family's legacy of opioids dealing and violence in this searing crime thriller that builds to a shattering conclusion. Mm. Sounds topical. Let me tell you, like I, I was complaining about this last night, is like I think what I, I think this is why I've been watching horror movies so much during COVID. Um, not only are they kind of like a lot of them like easy to watch, and sometimes they're really bad, so they're funny. Um, sometimes they're really bad, but I think what it is is nobody makes goddamn real crime movies to me anymore. Um, all I want is a story with like a private eye or somebody like trying to solve a damn case. And nobody makes that movie anymore. It's everything's an action genre movie that has some crime elements, or it's this like kind of like 
gritty shit where it's like you got to get your damn message about the opioid epidemic like you know into your movie and it's like can somebody just make a damn crime movie so at least there's mystery in horror movies usually it might be the most trite mystery in the world it could be that you know i mean basically it always boils down and i'm saying this only because it's always a woman and i'm actually making fun of the idea that it's almost always a woman it's like basically it boils down to is the bitch crazy or is there a ghost you know, like, I mean, like, maybe that's the mystery of most of these movies, but at least it's a mystery. Who knows? Um, how's this going to turn out where, like, just, there's no good mysteries out there anymore. Um, it's always that shit, like, inherited. Right, but it's a shattering conclusion. Shattering, Chris. You will right. be shattered if you watch Inherit the Viper. There's a character there, named though, there is a character named G Rod in that movie, I think. Um, no, actually, G Rod is the actor. Okay. Um, never mind. Um, would would you be offended if a character's name was Grod? Yes. Is it like Grod? Maybe I don't know. It's like Grod is the is the damn actor's name. Um, he does not have a Wikipedia page. Um, Boots Conley though is one of the um one of the characters. Yeah, you know what? We don't have a Wikipedia page either, so let's not get uh let's not get all high and mighty. About G Rod, is he on Imdib? I'm probably. Let's see. Um, God, I oh, 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 he comes up immediately when you type in G Rod in the Google. Um, how do you oh, spell G? How do you spell G Rod? It's G G dash Rod, but his his name is Gabriel Rodriguez, um, which is why um he goes by G Rod, I guess. Um. God, MDIB is the worst page. Why am I going to MDIB? Oh, I wish he had a Wikipedia page. MDIB takes forever to load. Um, and it's like just the worst layout. Uh, uh, he's in an episode of Better Call Saul that I haven't seen yet. Um, I do not Netflix remember. Is, uh, I don't know. He's in Three from Hell, G-Rod is. I, I haven't seen that yet, but don't watch it. Right. Uh, there's a show called Bounty Hunters. So hold on. I, this is going to be terrible, but I, I almost hold on. I need to read this guy's bio real quick. Um, uh, what else do you have? You have nothing else to say about this movie, Frank? Oh, no. I've been done for like 10 minutes. Yeah. This I've, is the part of the quick cage where we just evolve into other stuff. Because we don't see each other in person much anymore, so this is how we get by. <laughs> um, okay, never mind. It's just nice to hear your voice reflect against another human's voice <laughs> in a non-work environment, you know? Right. Um, what do you think about this Rebecca movie? I fucking hate the way it looks. Like, I mean, really? not, the, not the way it looks, sorry. That's, that, that's wrong. Like, it's not the way that it looks. I don't like it doesn't feel right to me. Um, like it feels like the trailer I saw for it. Um, like I feel like I won't like it. Like that it's like e that they're either going to change some things that I'm not going to like, or it's going to be so similar that um, I'm not going to like that either. I, I don't understand why it exists. I'll be honest. To give Army Hammer something to do, I guess. I don't know. Is it a remake of Rebecca? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't I'm, even know that. Yeah, I mean, they're basing it off the um, 
you know, they're adapting from the novel as opposed to like the already pre-existing adaptation. But I mean, yeah, like it's it's based off Rebecca. Yeah. So Daphne, I whatever. Didn't register that it was a adaptation or remake. Because when I was scrolling through like movies new to Netflix in whatever October, mm-hmm. it said it was a romantic drama. Right. And I don't know that I would necessarily call it Rebecca as a romantic drama. Right. Maybe a gothic romance mystery, maybe? Sure. I think um, it's probably the best way. I mean, well, let's see. What do they classify? Gaslight as it's whatever gaslight is. Same damn training manual. I don't know. Um. So apparently the 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 Norway is uh, psychological thriller is how they. Oh yeah, that's fine. So yeah, I mean I think that's I was probably right. I was probably being too frou frou with it, but yeah. yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a psychological thriller. There, there, there's no, there's no fucking romance in. Rebecca, get the fuck out of here. That's just a way to like sell it to a certain audience. Right. It's like it's like gaslight. Like that's a really good way to look at it because it's like the opposite of romance. Right. It's like everyone knows it's not a romance except the poor asshole that's in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Or the poor asshole that's like watching it for twenty minutes wondering where the romance is, right. Because they well, must I think that it's a romance. <clears throat> watching the trial because like you know, hardcore spoilers. Like I was sitting here watching the trailer on mute while um, we were talking, which is why I brought it up. Um, just because I wanted to see what came out on Netflix today, and I was trying to multitask. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it probably lulled you into a false sense of romance for the first like probably thirty minutes or so, because it looks like it takes them a little while to get to Manderley. Yeah, and that's where like the weird shit happens. So I don't know. I need to watch anyway. Gaslight again now that I'm thinking about that. Um, Gaslight's a really good movie. Yeah, it is, yeah. You um, know, so this that's another weird thing. Like, I was thinking, like, a couple days ago how amazing it is that we have a whole universally accepted psychological term that, you know, originates in a film that probably the majority of people have never seen. Right. But it's a really good movie. Yes, I just, um, I just yeah, because gas gaslighting is like the like a, a serious as a serious buzzword of the last three years. Like, oh yeah, 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 definitely. Like everybody that reads BuzzFeed like knows this fucking term now and is misapplying it. Yeah, you know? um, which is a big problem already all the time. Like you know, basically like it's like look, I am all for mental health awareness, absolutely. Like you know, like yeah, but um. God is all this like sometimes raising awareness has these damn side effects sometimes where it's like you put language in people's mouths they don't know how to use it and it's the same thing they tell you in any psych 101 course with anything involving psychology which is like hey you're going to learn stuff in here but don't try to apply it to your own life or to other people because you really don't know what you're talking about and then inevitably the student usually tries to apply it to their own life or to somebody else um, regardless of whether they know what they're talking about and it's the same thing when more awareness is raised about like, these different things. Like, so now you have like so many people that just go around thinking everyone's a narcissist and everyone is gaslighting somebody. 
um, because these terms have right. become, come into our lexicon. And, right. Uh, so it's exhausting well, to kind of like hear even the term gaslight for me anymore because. Ugh. Right. I, I feel like there's a very large subset that anytime you, someone says something that's contradictory to what they think is true. Right. That you're ga- that they're being gaslit. Right. I don't right. know. I, yeah. To, to your point, like sometimes it's just easier to let people like have language if it makes them feel better than whatever. Like argue with them that maybe the sure. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like I have a friend that I talk to very sparingly that talks about being gaslit by like guys. Yes. Right. And I want to say to her sometimes, like, look, you ain't being gaslit. You're just like a sucker. Like you're falling whatever like some honeyed words and then right yeah and like look there's people that are legitimately gaslit and there's plenty oh, of right. nar- and there's plenty of narcissists out there um but it's like not every single person who does like something wrong or is an asshole is a narcissist they're just an right. asshole um there's and- a, a large percentage of the country now is being gaslit by one dude so right Although I will say that, um, did you see the Pope came out today in favor of civil unions? Man, that Pope's in favor of everything. <laughs> that Pope's a plant. Uh-huh. That's my conspiracy theory. That's your conspiracy theory? Yeah. Um, I the, wonder he's not even you. Catholic, I don't think. <laughs> well, it almost seems like he's not um, at times. like, But um, I really wondered when I saw that. The first thing I thought is... Um, do you think that it's the Pope worried about legalized marriage in America, considering how many Catholics are on the Supreme Court? Because if Barrett gets confirmed, then I think that'll be six out of nine that are Catholic. Yeah. Um, many of them, um, the conservative judges that are Catholic. I was going to say, one of them, Sotomayor. Right, one of them is my order, but um, Roberts, um, Kavanaugh, Thomas, um, uh, and uh, Alito, and then Barrett, although right. that's some subset uh, sect of uh, Catholicism, right. which I won't talk about. But I mean, um, but I think I wondered if, like, if it's a way to try to protect uh, gay marriage in this country um, in some small, like, kind of like ally type way. Um, Look, by I, I think. I think this Pope is just a decent dude that realizes that if you don't change, you're bound to be like destroyed or forgotten. Mm-hmm. And it's just trying to keep Catholicism somewhat like palatable and relevant. Well, right. And, I I mean, and plus, I mean, like, the, like most Catholics, like, you know, I mean, I know that there's like some very like strict Catholics that are falling a very kind of socially conservative side, but most Catholics are um, are usually like falling the liberal side of things a lot of times. Eh, maybe. I think if you look at what Catholics are you looking at? Where are they at? All you the got some are... hiding in the woods? Um, I know Catholics. Yeah, okay, um, me too. I'm a Catholic, remember? I, I know Catholics. Um, I, ga- I gaslit you for a decade of our friendship about being did. Catholic. Yeah. Right. I'm the ultimate gaslighter. Mm-hmm. And it was for no reason. It wasn't even for any kind of gain. It was just funny. Um, let's... Maybe I murdered my former best friend. And you'll never know. 
That's a that's a good story. You shouldn't. It is. If we had any any um ambition, um, we could write yeah, I was that. Say, I, I ain't got no ambition. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the most I can muster, and honestly, it's amazing that we've gotten this far. So, <clears throat> let's see. Why Although one may argue, how far have we gotten? Nah. Uh, well, I guess they're more divided than I thought. Um, Most Catholics I know are very are are liberal in certain respects, but very conservative in others, and yeah. almost like immutably conservative because they have the weight, the crushing weight of guilt and expectation on their shoulders, where they can't believe anything else. Okay, hold on. Let me. Okay, this is Pew Research, right? So, um, uh, Pew's Pew. Um, oh, Pew. Okay. So, so 59% of Catholic Republicans, um, and, and this is from 2019, and three quarters of Catholic Democrats think that same sex couples should be allowed to marry, despite okay. at the time the church's opposition to it. So, um, um, let's see. Similarly, both groups think homosexuality should be accepted in society, and that's sixty-nine percent among Catholic Republicans and eighty-four percent among Catholic Democrats. Um, Those are good stats. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think I was, what I was all I was saying there is I think that their base, um, you know, like a base, like a religious measure base, um, but the, but I think his base, right, um, is. Um, I, I think he sees the writing on the wall, right? It's like, I mean, he has to, I'm sure he's like not a fool when he looks at numbers and sees that like, you know, like, hey, like actually a lot of people like, you know, kind of like are okay with this. So it's probably safe to sit there and say the very decent human thing of um, they're all children of God and I think they deserve family. So I don't think it's like a, like a thing where it's like he's um, taking a risk necessarily either even though yeah, it's, the right, it's the right and decent thing to do and i think that's truly what he believes he's also not taking a risk necessarily i i agree with that 100 percent. and i think that this is a guy that's number one i think a decent person i think he's just very pragmatic about stuff and i think he understands you know like to your point that there's not it doesn't hurt you to be kind or whatever you know right. so to be a decent right. person so I got one last thing for you tonight, um, then we'll okay. be done. So, because Nicholas, everything Nicholas Cage pops up my fucking feed anymore. Um, <clears throat> news story that popped up in my feed from like twenty different websites, all with name, like all things like a uh, collider and complex and like all these fucking different pages reporting the same story. So apparently, Nick Cage um, was having a conversation i think that was recorded on video with marilyn manson like an interview okay. um where manson i guess asked him about um if because of when he resides in las vegas um he asked him about like um his pastime of like you know gambling and stuff like that right and cage tells this story where he says the last time i gambled was about 30 years ago I was in the Bahamas and I walked into the casino and it felt like I had my mojo with me, like nothing could go wrong. My game was roulette. I won in with $200 and I didn't miss a number so much that even the lady spinning the wheel said, nothing sweeter than a repeater. In 20 minutes, I turned $200 into 20000 So I won and found an orphanage in the Bahamas 
met all the kids and the headmistress, and I said, this is for you. I put the 20 grand in her hand, walked away, and never gambled again, because if I did, it would ruin the power of that moment. Okay, so here's what I want. Here's here, okay, here's what I want to know. Sorry. Here's what here's here's what I want to know. Right? Okay. Is um there's a few questions. Um, one, um, what are the odds, and you can give them in as odds or a percentage. It doesn't matter to me of that story being one hundred percent accurate. In reality or in his mind? In reality. Forty uh, percent. In his mind, do you think it's one hundred percent, or do you think it's yes. less? Okay, one hundred percent. Um. So in in that real in that very specific reality, it absolutely happened. Right. Okay. So I'm not sure how many movies he. Ha- okay. So let's just. I want you to guesstimate. In the past ten years. Okay. How many, if that were a movie, that story were turned into a movie, how many movies that he made in the past 10 years would it be better than? Is that the only, who's the, who, who directed it? Who directed this movie? Like, yeah, give me, give me a director and, um, hold on. The head uh, yeah. Uh oh, and the headmistress. Okay. Um. Okay. So, oh, he's dead. I can't say that. It has to be a live person. Um. Shit. 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 Um. Let me think further here. I was gonna say John Hughes. Um. But. Uh. Let's see. I got the answer. Who? Okay. So who? Who? You're better at this than me. So. Wes Anderson directed it. Mm, with the, mm, that might be too quirky. Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. It's perfect because it's got like the whole shit in Vegas and, you know, some Nick. I would like to see Wes Anderson direct in Vegas. That would be cool. Right. So it's that with the Wes Anderson like aesthetic. And then it's. Oh. What's her name? Tim Burton's wife. Um, the pale, weird one with the hair. She's the headmistress. <laughs> the hair. I don't like that casting. I'm not a fan of that. All right. Well, then you got. Um, I, I got your director. You pick my my headmistress. Um, I would say that the headmistress is. Um, hmm. she's too old. She's too old for it. That's that's the problem. Um, hmm. There's got to be no romance in it. No, Although but still, would... I I want her to be in the Bahamas. She need Elizabeth Hurley. Oh, that's good. And they're holding hands on like some like dock overlooking like the blue water with a fucking pink moon playing in the background or some shit. Or some xylophone yeah. version of a David Bowie song. Yeah, I like the British accent, like, you know, for that character. Yeah, that's that's that would be. There you go. That's a good movie. Oh, uh, then it's better than like 90% what he's done in the past 10 years. Probably more than 90%. Okay. Um, do you 
I want to see that movie now. <laughs> Do you think that, um, and then my last question is, it, it, all these articles talk about what great friends Marilyn Manson and Nick Cage are. Do you think Marilyn Manson thinks of Nick Cage as a great friend? Yes. To, yeah? Okay. Yeah. What's I think they're kindred, for that? Yeah, okay. Because I think they're kindred spirits in a lot of ways. I think you got two dudes who have at different points been at the pinnacle of their respective craft and have been both like critically lauded and almost like cultural pariahs. Hmm. And I think that like there's a lot of commiseration that can happen there. Plus they're both big fans of the arts and they're both big fans of like occult like oddity type stuff, you know, like they collect whatever, like I can't think of the word, like obscure minutiae or something. Chachkis, you know, like whatever. Like both of them are into that kind of weird shit. So and they're both rich. And like what else do rich people have to do but be friends with other rich people? They can kind of be friends with like boars like us. So Right. Right. Plus, I think Marilyn Manson's like a genuinely like interesting and probably like cultured person to be friends with. And I think the cage is probably kind of the same. Like if you can get past his weirdness. Right. Yeah. He, well, maybe um, I'm less convinced about cage than I am about um, uh, Manson. Um, yeah. But you know, I've been listening to Marilyn Manson this past, these past like three or four days um, because of the one movie on our, Ooh, I can't remember what list that's for. Oh, movies in 1990 list. One of the movies I made you watch was like a big inspiration to Manson in um, when he made Antichrist Superstar. Like it's like referenced in some of the lyrics and it got me in the mood to listen to that album. That was one of like the self-masturbatory things that I could like think to myself when I was a fucking terrible person. Right. So, yeah, like I get this reference. Like nobody else listening to this album understands what he's saying, but I know it. Right. I Except guess. there's probably like thousands of other people that got that reference immediately. <laughs> but it made me feel good about myself. I'll tell you what it is all fair, so we don't spoil okay. it. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of it and I just can't put it together. But um yeah, okay. Um, okay. I think that's probably uh uh good for tonight um right we 75 probably, like, minutes later <laughs> right right um but we ended on cage you never gave me a number on the cage performance by the way or the oh, uh, it's a it's a four out of ten it's five out of ten uh, it's just very middle of the road yeah there's nothing bad about it but there's nothing like interesting about it either it's just him yeah being himself and the movie it's like a four out of ten you know it's 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 a it's not quite like an F or whatever, but it's definitely a D. Right. Again, there's just nothing to recommend it. Like, there's no reason to watch this movie. Unless you're a huge, what's his name, um, D.L. Ganey or McGaney fan or whatever. Like, MC Ganey, yeah. Yeah. Right. Who's fucking fantastic in it, but he's yeah. only in it for maybe like a total screen time of like like 12 or 13 minutes. Sure. But sure. man, I love that dude. Like, such he a good is. character actor. He is. Yes, I agree. So if we learned anything tonight, uh, it's that MC Ganey is all right. And right. Josh Lucas is old. Old. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. 
So <laughs> hope, hope, hope that hope that was worth it to get the that ending. Um, right. With that knowledge now. So all right. Thank we're you all we're all better for it. Good yes. night. Good night.